So I know the media is denying it, but uh, the economy is going through some uh, trouble with inflation. It is about to get worse. We go through all of that. Uh, Plus, we tell you about all of the new plans that Biden has. I was really excited about the new accessories to cars, Stu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes me want to run out and buy a new buy car one. right now. Uh, by the way, it's it's not an accessory. Uh, it's not an extra. You will have to have the car give you a breathalyzer in three years on all new cars. Another reason we should shoot for Cuba and just uh, recycle our old cars. Uh, also, we have uh, more on covid and a couple of examples of people who are standing up and helping you stand up, all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Oh, this is great. This is great. Yesterday, I told you about the L.A. ports, that they were going to... uh, uh, start assessing fines, which would have cost in the tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars within a week. Uh, the officials have delayed that until November 22nd. Yeah. So that's Woo-hoo! good. That's really good. We got that going for us. California gas prices hit a record for a second consecutive day they're banning drilling near uh, New Mexico's uh, what is it Chaco Canyon? Um, Goya says uh, near is a little bit of a stretch too. What is it? 10 miles. I mean, I, I guess that's near if you're driving a car quickly. Yeah. Well, if you're going but, to the sun, the moon is near too. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, Goya says with inflation, it, they're going to have to rip, they're going to have to hike their prices. Uh, Nestle says they're hiking their prices. Tyson foods says they're going to hike their prices. Kraft, they're hiking their prices by 20%. IBM says inflation fears could trigger some chaos. Huh. Hmm. Interesting, interesting uh, choice of words there. General Motors revoking heat seat option due to chip shortage. So even the cars you are going to get are uh, not going to be the car that you necessarily want. But that's all part of the process. We have to expect less. Carol Roth is the author of The War on Small Business. If you want to know what happened in COVID and how this is all playing out for the average person, uh, make sure you read The War on Small Business. She's a former uh, Wall Street investment banker. Turn to Jesus. And, uh, and started going, wait, nobody's really caring about the small business. Carol Roth is with us now. Hi, Carol. How are you? Hey, glad I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. So last time you were on, we talked about, you know, preparing. And and I, I, uh, I asked you specifically about, you know, gas and oil and uh, natural gas for, for heat. And we've had some updates, and I wanted to get your... I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Sala Marova uh, has come out and said that she wants oil, gas, and coal companies to go bankrupt for climate change. And I think that is the plan from the left and this administration. That's not radical to them. Do you believe that? 
Um, the, the fact that somebody like Ms. Omarova could be considered to be that near to our money supply and decision making is absolutely indicative of the fact that we should all be very concerned. Saying things aloud. I mean, th- this is, this used to be the quiet part. Now, now they're just saying it out loud. Saying things like we should bankrupt oil and gas, and particularly the small guys, um, you know, in pursuit of climate change and climate justice, uh, saying things like we should be getting rid of private banks so that they could, so we could all deposit our money with the Federal Reserve. I mean, this is a woman who was trained at the University of Moscow, and her thesis that was about Karl Marx and and capital, the the sole copy has magically disappeared from the internet. So if that gives you any sense of the kind of of thought process that's going on. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'm not sure how much of this is sort of an evil plan versus central planning stupidity, but it really doesn't matter, does it? Because the outcome is always going to be the same, whether it's intentional or just because they think they know better. We're the ones that pay the the economic damage, and it's not only in proactive, you know, additional dollars that need to be spent to convert to things that we def- uh, may not want or need, but it's lost productivity and it's the taking away of choice and the impact on our individual lives that happen when a handful of people think they know better than the free market um, in, in terms of what we're doing. And certainly we're seeing that in the energy uh, arena from everything from the administration to what they've done more broadly with this quote-unquote ESG investing. We have um, uh, we have John Kerry saying every coal plant in America will be closed down by 2030. I, I think that's an impossible uh, standard to keep and would would end in massive, massive blackouts and brownouts. Am I right on that or not? Did you look into this? I did look into this. It's interesting. Usually when I go out and talk to experts in areas, you know, that are not, you know, 100% core to my expertise, and I say, you know, I like to give you credit on air if I talk about this, usually you get the, okay, you know, here's how you credit me. Everyone's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about this, but let, let me tell you what happened. Just don't use my name. And, wow. you know, this is across the country. So it, this isn't just a California issue, which obviously is, is leading the nation, but even experts out of, of Texas, people who are monitoring uh, the electric grid are incredibly concerned about brownouts or blackouts. And wait, 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 wait. In the future or now. Now. <laughs> now. Already. So forget about 2030, but now, because we're not making the level of investments to keep what we do have up in this, in this push for transition, you know, we, we want to have maintenance of what we already have, and that's becoming more and more difficult. Um, and obviously, we're seeing it just, you know, countrywide in terms of our energy dependence. Um, so I have been told reliably, you know, again, even in Texas, that you want to have a backup source of power. And I have been told uh, almost everybody said either a propane, diesel, or cum 
combo generator is something that you're going to want to have because, you know, in a state, for example, like Texas, the quote was, once the state loses power, it will take a minimum of two weeks to restore plants back to operations and customers able to use grid power again. Oh so you know, th- this, this isn't something that, you know, we've got t- nine years or whatever to be thinking about. We should be planning and preparing now. So you have this, it's worse in California because you Correct. can't buy the generators, right? You can't use diesel generators or gas power generators. Uh, I think that dep- <laughs> depending on which city you are located in and, um, uh, you know, c- kind of uh, like where you are within the state, I mean, I think you still can get um, in certain places like a propane-based uh, generator, but they are starting, you know, whether it's the limitation of natural gas in new construction, taking gas out of commercial kitchens. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Taking natural gas out of kitchens? Commercial kitchens. Oakland's already put this in effect. Um, A number of cities are doing this. The California Restaurant Association filed the suit on behalf of restaurants, and it was dismissed. So if you want to have, you know, your natural gas cooked, you know, wok food or burgers or whatnot, like you can't do that anymore in certain cities. And so they are completely taking away um, you know, even just the ability to cook certain types of foods because they want to make sure that you only have an electric hookup. And, you know, I'm not I'm not a chef, Glenn. I know this is going to surprise you. I'm not the most domestic gal out there. Uh, but <laughs> But even I know uh, that there's you know certain things that you're not going to be wanting to cook on an electric stove. That's unbelievable. Okay, so um, diesel, propane, or combo generator as a backup. We should all Correct. be looking at that. Um, I I mean, I, I, the solar is unreasonable, completely unreasonable. I, I mean, I have solar at my house, and I'm completely off the grid. And that has cost me a fortune. No average person can uh, can go there. And that's with a diesel backup and a natural gas backup. Yeah, it, unfortunately, um, you know, it, the technology isn't there for what uh, you know the proponents of it would like for it to be. Not to say that it might not be in the future, but you know we're not there, and, and that's the the problem is that they're trying to push us in a direction you know where we're just not prepared for it, and it's going to create issues you know on a financial and personal level for people. And who's going to end up suffering the most? Of course, it's going to be the middle class. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that the, the the folks who are you know the most poor will get some sort of benefit from the government, and if you're super wealthy, they'll you know figure figure out some workaround for you. But this is once again uh, something that the middle class is going to end up bearing the cost of. And by the way, the costs that they're estimating are out of this world, uh, and those are just the dollars that we're putting out, not economic damage or personal damage. You know, I've seen anywhere from five to ten trillion on the low side, which we know that that's never going to be the case, to north of ninety trillion in some of these estimates. And we know the the fi- financial engineering that they always do that oh well we're just going to look at it at a certain period of time. So you know if you look at it over a long period of time, it's, it's a ton of money. This is a ton of money towards something. 
that a lot of people don't want. And if they really cared about the environment, we'd be looking at things like carbon recapture technology and nuclear energy and all these things that we know America can lead on instead of forcing an agenda uh, that all of these folks are probably invested in. And that's probably why they're pushing it. Exactly right. For them to be making money at the expense of, by the way, the red states, which are heavily invested in uh, uh, fossil fuels. No coincidence there. Carol, are, um, what are we looking at for inflation, do you think? I mean, how, how long before it is so bad that everyone is screaming in pain? Well, so that the challenge and sort of the, I hate to use the smart thing, let's, let's say the evil thing that they've done um, is that it's going to affect you know, different people differently. And I think that's part of what, why they've been trying to sell that it's not happening. You know, we first we heard it's, it's not going to happen. It's going to run a little bit hot. It's quote unquote transitory, which, you know, anyone who's been listening to me knows I've been saying this whole time. Of course, it's not. And now they're trying to sell you that it's a good thing. Oh, you know, you're going to you're going to you're going to be able to buy a four thousand dollar suit. Good for you. Right. And and you're going to spend less now because you won't be able to afford things. And so we'll be we'll we'll stop being this consumer nation. Yeah. That was yeah, insane. Like Europe, that's just exactly what we all wanted to do. Right. It, you know, it's um, it's unfortunate. So the, the the issue here is that the because of um, all of the money printing that's happened and all the stimulus that has increased inflation, it has increased asset value. So if you own a house or a bunch of houses, if you have a huge stock portfolio, if you've had um, access to capital to you know, de- debt capital to go out and buy these big assets, you know those assets are going to probably continue to inflate in price because there's all of these dollars out there and they need to go somewhere. But if you are in the middle middle class again, or if you're poorer and you need to go out and buy the things that your family needs to live, the, you know, the food um, to put on your table and the gas to get to work, this is, you know, it's already re- really painful. And unfortunately, the elites in the media who are supposed to be pointing this out and acting as a check and balance are now laughing at the average American and saying, oh, why do you need to drink that much milk? Or, you know, maybe you should cut back on your expenditures instead of holding the people who are creating these policies to task. And then, oh, by the way, you know, they just signed a you know, $1.2 trillion bill yesterday and are trying to spend trillions more and then selling us on, oh, yeah, that's going to bring down inflation. Like, I don't know. That didn't show up in any of my economics classes at work. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a really bad situation. And because, it's kind of like what happened in COVID, right? When they mm-hmm. shut down small businesses, but they kept the big businesses open, even though the average people were, were screaming because those who were connected were benefiting, nothing happened. And I see this same kind of split and great consolidation as, of power and, and wealth, as I've been calling it. And you know, some of this, you know, even if you fix some of the supply chain, things like the wage increases, oh. those aren't going to slow down. You, know, you can't pay somebody $20 an hour today to start, and then, you know, three months from now think you're going to be paying entry-level yeah. people $7. It's All just right. not going to happen. CarolRoth.com. CarolRoth.com. Uh, her latest book is The War on Small Business. CarolRoth.com. Thanks, Carol. Talk to you again. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening.
This is the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to uh, welcome to Tuesday. You know, Stu and I were just talking off air. It is really sad, but also I'm really happy that this is happening. It's sad that it has to be this way, but there there is a parallel economy that is being built now. People are people are realizing what is coming and they are starting to build uh, banks and uh, insurance companies that will be uh, outside of the system because they're just going to make it impossible for anybody to have any money, any loans to do anything that they that they want unless you play along. And we're already seeing this now in our own businesses. And I, I think there is a great opportunity for uh, to get really good employees right now. Uh, if you're working in a company where they're telling you, you have to get vaccinated, you have to, you know, go through that, that uh, whites are all evils uh, seminar. What if you don't want to, where do you go to work? I want to introduce you to a guy who was in this very position uh, except he was, I mean, he's been in the high tech industry for 20 years. He was in Silicon Valley. Then he became the CEO and founding member of MC, which uh, was a consulting company of three employees. Uh, and he turned it into an international economic data firm with over 250 employees nationwide. But he had a problem. He was a Christian CEO. And I guess that wasn't wasn't something in the cards for the company anymore. Uh, and so he started a new business that I think is fantastic. We talked about it, I think, last week. His name is uh, Andrew Crapuchets, uh, and uh, he is on with us now. Hello, Andrew. Hey, good morning, Glenn. Thank you very much. And um, and kudos on pronouncing my name. It is a terrifying name. It is. On the air. So. Yeah, yeah. When you're on the air and you see this, uh, you know, I had to make sure I looked at it again to make sure I got it right. Yeah, crappy shits. It's, uh, it's true. It's crappy shits. You must have had a horrible childhood with the name crappy shits. You know, yeah, you either have a horrible childhood or you just lean into it and you really enjoy it. Right, okay, uh, good. And, and everybody <laughs> thinks they thought of the best new joke for that name. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I've heard them all. Yeah, I bet I bet you have. And uh, none of those jokes could be said on the air. So let's move on. <laughs> <They're> correct. <laughs> <laughs> from, your, from your name. Uh, okay, so Andrew, I saw this story, I think, last week. And we reached out to you right away because I think what you're doing is is right on the money you first of all tell me how it ended with you and the and the company why why did you leave yeah uh so again i've been in the tech space for a while i've also i've started a bunch of companies because i also believe that um, as christians um, we serve a creator god and so we are little creators and so we Mm -hmm. should look for ways that we can create things that we can then use to turn around and bless other people. So yeah. I started a variety of businesses, um, and obviously um, the most recent. And uh, full disclosure, I'm still an advisor to the board. Okay. Um, but for me to be involved in the day to day was just not um, palatable. So um, so we um, we ended, and part of it is it was clear to me it was time to move on anyway. And there's two reasons for this. 
uh, as I've been deep in the tech world and have a lot of friends in Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and Oof. on that West, West Coast crazies, yeah. um, I saw them using their company's platform to push on a woke worldview. Uh, using their company's platform to, in the last election cycle, say, you must vote for Joe Biden. This is the most important election ever. And it's like, I, I thought you were a software company, not a political advocacy company. Correct. But it became clear that a lot of the people, especially in the tech world, were using their company to do this. And then we saw, I saw a lot of my fellow employees who were just, and not fellow employees, but fellow uh, colleagues around the country, just keeping their head down. Um, and it's what's funny is when I started Red Balloon, a lot of people who are executives wrote me and said, you know, I love what you're doing, but I can't like what you're doing. Because if you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I can't have anyone know that I'm a conservative. And my word to them is, look, there's a lot of conservatives and Christians out there. And I think it's time to raise the pirate flag um, or the Christian flag <laughs> and simply say, this is who I am. Um, and, and be unashamed of that. And so if so you don't, if you, together. if you don't, we're, we, we lose, we lose, we have that, to stand right. and stand together. And I don't mind standing with other people that don't share my belief, but they currently mind me and I'm Correct. not going to, why can you say all of this crazy stuff that I disagree with? And I don't have to even I, I don't I don't want to talk about it. Honestly, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can we just do our work? But you can't live right. in that world now. It's not good enough. You must participate. Yeah, and absolutely. And and if you don't, then you get fired. And I had a good friend who lost his job because he didn't use the right pronoun. So the vaccine uh, issue is obviously the most recent and pressing for a lot of people because you have to put it in your body. But there's, they have been pushing this for a long time, whether it's CRT, whether it's uh, the right pronouns. And I think it is time for conservatives and Christians to stand up because the reality is that these conservatives, all of you who are listening, are the hardest workers. You're the people who are making the company go. Um, and so I started Red Balloon partly because of this wokeness in the workplace and partly because I saw this enormous gap in the labor market where we simply don't have enough people to get all the work done. And the administration, the Biden administration, has saw, seen fit to demotivate people to actually participate in the labor market. And now with the vaccine mandate to tell them they're not allowed to participate in the labor market. So we have an unprecedented tight labor market. We have an economy that's trying to get going, but simply is not allowed to. And I think you're spot on. We need to start creating these alternative economies because I'll tell you, it is really fun to be an unapologetic conservative Christian and a public one. Um, and I would encourage is. everyone out there. It's time to raise your hands, raise your head, um, raise the pirate flag and, um, and come out. Uh, I, uh, was talking on a different show yesterday and I thought we need to start using the hashtag coming out conservative mm. um, and just tell people, you know, start um, proclaiming who you are and it's okay. And we don't need to turn into all of us be political advocates um, because I don't think that's necessarily the right thing either. But I do think it's an opportunity to just be unapologetic about who you are and what you believe. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to become an activist. I mean, I, 
kind of am now, but I don't want to become an activist. I just like to work in places where, you know, even if you disagree, nobody's going to get fired for it. Nobody's going to get fired for it. Let's just be human beings to each other. So you started Red Balloon, and how is this? How is this going? Yeah, no. So RedBalloon.work is uh, has blown me away because I've started a number of businesses before, and I'll tell you, Glenn, I've never been part of a business before where I get unsolicited thank you notes from perfect strangers all over the country, literally every day. People just saying thank you for standing up for freedom. Um, and that's my encouragement to all of you listening is stand up for freedom and you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people who want to follow that. So I started redballoon.work three months ago, um, and we now have had over 400,000 people on the site looking for freedom. We have over 1,200 employers who have signed up. And every single day we have tens of thousands of job searches on the site. It's still mm. new, and I want to have millions of jobs. But, uh, but I've been super encouraged by this. And we've also just seen um, an overwhelming amount of support from people like someone said, uh, sent me a thank you note and said, hey, would you like a billboard in Times Square? And <laughs> as a side note, if someone asks you that, the answer is yes. Um, and so Red Balloon has a billboard in Times Square and will through the end of the year because they said, look, this is an important moment and we need to stand up for freedom. So there are powerful people out there who maybe aren't ready to raise their pirate flag, but they're definitely behind the cause. I will tell you this, too, that it is it's really important that um, business people, if you're looking for a job, I, I I hear from people all the time that are living behind, you know, the the uh, Iron Curtain in the east of our country and uh, they want out, but they can't they they can't move without a job. They have to have a job. And yeah. how do you know? And I, I encourage everyone, every company that is taking a stand to register and become part of this. And when you have uh, a job opening, open it up to redballoon.work and let's get people working together. Absolutely. Because what you do as an employer is you're not only getting access to really the best kind of workers, right? The workers who aren't an HR, an HR nightmare who are constantly complaining, you're getting people who just want to focus on work, um, which is phenomenal. So the best kind of workers, but you're also giving encouragement to millions of Americans and saying, look, you're not the only one. Because the liberal media today desperately wants us all to believe that we're the only one that believes the way we do and that we're all crazy. And the more people, especially employers, who stand up and say, no, I'm going to put my logo on here. I talked to one CEO who said, look, um, I have been keeping my head down as a conservative Christian for years, but I feel like if I don't die on this hill, there might not be any left. I agree. And so it's time. I agree. Well, thank you very much, uh, Andrew. I appreciate it. Uh, that's Andrew Krapuschetz, uh, the founder <laughs> and CEO of Red Balloon, redballoon.work redballoon.work let's get the people who want to work and just want to move on with their lives let's get them working as uh, andrew just said it's the best kind of employee redballoon.work thanks andrew the best of the glenn beck program One of the guys who works with me, he is uh, one of our researchers and writers, um, 
uh, he and we've worked together for many years now, and he's a salt of the earth kind of guy, uh, knows his history really well. Uh, his name is Nathan Nipier, I believe. Uh, <laughs> it's close. Na- na- <laughs> or Nathan Nipper. That's oh, what it is. Nathan. Okay. I've heard of him. Nathan yeah. Nipper. How are you, Nathan? Good. Uh, so Nathan has written a book and he brought it to me about a year ago. And uh, I didn't know all of the story at the time that you brought it. I didn't know the backstory. But you were yeah. working here years before I came here. Yeah, before Mercury Studios was Mercury even, Studios, even a glint in in your eye, you yeah. know. Um, I this is way back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I guess you were doing your Fox show at the time. Yeah, and yeah, I worked for a separate media company that was housed in the studio building. Huh. And uh, so, in the aftermath of that two thousand eight financial crisis, they this company that I was working for started having some financial problems of their yeah. own you know they were having trouble making payroll yeah and um in sort of long longish story shorter uh i had done some minor league screenwriting you know early in my career and this particular story that is now this book um i wrote as a screenplay and i really needed a, a sale at the time because they were having trouble making payroll right, right. Mm. and um came really close. I thought it was going to happen. This The agent that I was working with at the time, she was very enthusiastic about it, made it to the, the final level at this cable network that shall be, you know, remain nameless. Me. Yeah. And, not uh, to you, yeah. but to the rest of us. It did not happen. I was crushed. And it, it didn't happen because it is, it references It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. I mean, they... That's true. The sort of the reasoning, and you never know these things. Yeah, I mean, yeah, screenwriting yeah. business is, is horrible, very horrible. But mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was one of the final. You know, the final decision maker was like, "Well, you kind of have to to know too much about that movie, you know, to understand what's going on." And that was mm-hmm. sort of their, their excuse. And nobody but, knows yeah, who knows about anything about, about it. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. life. And that's yeah. what the the agent said at the time, and I was like, "I know that's, uh, that's <laughs> our deal. Everybody knows this movie, but so the book is out today, mm-hmm. and." You you wrote it and then you put the story away. You came to work for me, right? Yeah, I it's it's overwhelming, honestly. the The fact that I'm here, sitting in this building again, talking to you because it's really this book represents. I mean, this is God's kindness. God's paying attention to the details of our lives, mm-hmm. you know, and and redeeming things that you think is hopeless uh, situations that you you think are hopeless. Because, yeah, I mean. I actually, because I wasn't getting paid at the time, <laughs> and I, I stayed on at that that media company mm-hmm. in the hopes that it was going to turn around while I'm applying to other jobs, you mm-hmm. know, and then I had that rejection uh, of the script sale, and so I stayed late in, actually, it's in the office where uh, Stu's producer works now. I sat up there for a few hours one night, just cranked out the first chapter, thinking, could I turn this into a book, and... And then I was like, no, I don't have time for this. You know, I got a, a third child was on the way at the time, um, not getting paid. I mean, it was a desperate situation, you know. And so I did the old proverbial, put it in a drawer. It didn't right. touch it for years. So I finally did six years ago is when I cranked out the first draft of this book, uh-huh. uh, just before I started working with you. And it, it kind of melts my brain that I'm now back in the studio 
that I, I had sworn off working in media. I <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, well, I had walked have. away from the, the I mean, industry. You know, it's it. You know, the, the 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 book starts kind of like the George Bailey thing, jumping from a bridge, and I think that that has nothing to do with it's a wonderful life. That's Nathan going. <laughs> Why, why, why did I go back and work for him? Uh, I could jump <laughs> off a bridge. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you, you had made, some of your scripts had been made into movies before. This is yeah, not like, I you weren't just like, it was not like a shot in the dark. That's true. Um, and I say minor league because it was, I guess, basic cable, you know, it's yeah. probably double A ball or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, More so than yeah, I've done. It, it yeah. wasn't totally random. Um, I had done that before. And so that's why I thought, oh, there's a chance here, you know, maybe this is going to go through. So Nathan, the the tell me the story. Um, uh, yeah, quickly. It's called Life on Christmas Eve, a novel by Nathan Nipper. Right, um, uh, the French pronunciation. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, Life on Christmas Eve. It's available now, and it, I, I've read it. It's really, really good. You're going to love it. But it tell is, the story. It's basically uh, about a, a 31 year old small town woman who uh, watches It's a Wonderful Life for the very first time, and. Shortly after she does, she starts to notice some unusual similarities between things that happened to her and things that, that happened in the movie. And so essentially her quest to figure out why these things might be happening and what it might mean, if anything, uh, leads to this life-changing encounter with a stranger on Christmas Eve. Right, And she, she starts out, she's not watched the movie. Right, right. She's never, she's never seen it. And she's one of those millennials that, you know, turn up their noses at... Uh, black and white movies um, <laughs> it is interesting that the reason initially the movie wasn't made is because someone might not know enough about it's a wonderful life that's actually the story of the book too right right where she person... learns about it all the way right. through yeah. Like, yeah. So, remember this scene no i never watched it i mean it's a pretty i mean you disproved yeah. your own case for the yeah, movie I right mean, initially right. it's you know i it's one of my all-time favorite movies it's still a classic i mean it's a genuinely great movie and so it was fun to sort of work in this this homage to use it as kind of mm. a device how you know to tell a different I, story i like the juxtaposition of the time back then that the movie took place and and now because we seem like a much harsher society oh yeah i mean you know if the pandemic showed us anything is it's a pandemic of a lack of grace i feel like yeah and in our culture, it's some, grace is something that we all want for ourselves, but are loath to give to other people Correct. so often. And so, I mean, that's one of the themes of the book is is undeserved grace in some of the, the relationships that the main character has. Yeah. How much, um, how much does God play a role in all of this? In in the book or my overall personal story <laughs> personal story and yeah. and getting it where it is oh yeah um it's a total god thing i mean it's it, it really almost makes me emotional to consider when i walked out of this building 12 years ago um it was a hopeless situation you know i i people yeah, were hiring and i needed was looking for a job I had a baby on the way um for him to redeem my experience here, because again, I had sworn off media, and then and, to come and back. You, you were teachers. Yeah, wow. I, I completely left, turned my back. I was never going to work in media again because of the bitterness of the, that experience. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then that he would bring me back to the same building and totally redeem it. I mean, this has been the best working experience of my life. Wow, you've led a sad life. <laughs> it is pathetic. <laughs> and uh, that he would redeem that is really humbling to me. Well, I would like you to pick up the uh, brand new book. It's available Amazon. Also, you can go to glenbeck.com and I have read uh, the first chapter. So if you want to hear the first chapter, we, we read it and produced it. Um, don't say I ever, ever gave you anything. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm thrilled thrilled i wish i could have read the whole book for you mm-hmm. um but uh the first chapter is available now at glenbeck.com uh and uh, check it out and you can also uh, get it there by just following the links it's called life on christmas eve something that you might want to start next week to put you in the right frame of mind uh for christmas life on christmas eve a new novel by nathan nipper nathan Thanks, thank you god thank bless you. How does somebody who is so soft-spoken work for me? How is that possible? Yeah, it is amazing. He's, he's the one that keeps you sane. Like, you want to say is. these crazy things, and then he writes actual things that make yeah. sense. And then I haven't, you bridge the gap, and you yeah. become kind of just sort of insane. What was the weirdest experience <laughs> here? What's, it's been the, the more surreal or How long weirdest. is your show? Yeah, okay. All right, I got it. Uh, let me just, you could still withdraw your endorsement of the book. Uh, I mean, it's the interview is no, still technically going. He didn't even put going. it on. He, he didn't, didn't even put. He didn't put it on. No, it's not on there. Wow, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. <laughs> wow. Like me. Now he says that I didn't get it to him in time. What a surprise I, that would be, Nathan. But I know that's not true because I have writers. <laughs> if you make Nathan write your review of his book, I'm. This is what I, this is what should be on the book. This is actually what I wrote. I love this book. It's funny, fast-paced, and whimsical. A joyful celebration of family and faith that sweeps you along in a surprising finale uh, that will melt your heart. This is ideal Christmas time reading, the kind of moving, life-affirming story the world really needs right oh, now. That is what we need right now, man, after the last couple of years. Oh, my gosh. Does that, the stuff that's going on in the world right now, to have something that's actually uplifting, that is <laughs> definitely needed. You know, I just read, Nathan, because I know you just read something, you know, you just wrote something very uplifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just see if you fit in the same category that, that we're in. I just read that in the neighboring uh, uh, galaxy, there is a now newly discovered black hole. Mm-hmm. And I am rooting for us to be sucked into the black hole is, <laughs> does that fit anywhere in with the christmas you know, cheer uh, uh, not really not really you know mm. huh if it's in, right. into oblivion <laughs> I, I, I will say your spaghettification review, sounds pretty good right now and your reviews did say there was a surprising ending so could it be that they all just get sucked into a black hole and that's how it ends spoiler alert oh, Come on, oh man Stu, and you haven't even read it yet all right again the name of the book is life on christmas eve 